The following pre-recorded program is paid for by SSI Guardian. Welcome to Living Well with Dr. Peg with your host, psychologist and author, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Living Well with Dr. Peg explores a variety of mental health, wellness, and safety topics brought to you by SSI Guardian. Living Well with Dr. Peg shares effective and practical psychological strategies based on biblical principles for living well and staying safe. To listen to previous episodes, learn more about Dr. Peg's mental health and safety workshops, or to register for an upcoming VIP personal transformation retreat. Visit drpegradio.com. And now, here's your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell Clark. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to another episode of Living Well with Dr. Peg, which is brought to you every week by our sponsor, SSI Guardian. And I'm coming to you from Denver, Colorado, and streaming around the world online and from your smartphone apps. And if you missed last week's episode or any episode of Living Well with Dr. Peg, be sure to go to drpegradio.com for the program archives and to learn more about our sponsor or to register for my June 17th Do Something Different for a Change Personal Transformation Retreat. And in this full-day experience, you'll you'll gain clarity and understanding about where you are, where you want to go, and what's holding you back so you can feel excited about doing something different and confident that you're moving in the right direction. If this is what you need in your life in this season, Register now for my June 17th Do Something Different for a Change Personal Transformation Retreat. Go to drpegradio.com and click on Retreat. Well, Mother's Day and Father's Day can be confusing and challenging for step families. And to help us sort things out, my guest today is Ron Deal, Director of Family Life Blended and President of SmartStepFamilies.com, as well as the author of the best-selling book, and DVD curriculum, The Smart Step Family. Ron Deal, thank you for being with me by telephone today, and welcome back to the program. Uh, thank you, Dr. Pe- Peg. It's always good to be with you, and I think I want to go on that retreat you're going to offer. Oh, Sounds my goodness. Great. Well, I would love to have you. Just uh, go to drpegradio.com, and uh, we can <laughs> maybe we can arrange a discount for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, Knowing you were there, I think, would draw a lot of folks, so uh, let's talk. <laughs> All right. Well, well you. you're welcome. You were on last year, and you shared some really helpful, practical advice, and that's what I appreciate about your ministry. And so I wanted to have you back again to share more of your wisdom. And you and your team just finished a huge live stream event called Blended and Blessed, and we talked about it on my program. Uh, I was in another two-day training that weekend, so I was not able to attend. So I had a hidden motive in having you on the show. I wanted to get the official summary and and debrief of what I missed and thought uh, maybe we could share that with the listeners as well. Well, I got to tell you, um, you know, not too long ago, I didn't know what a live stream was. (laughs) And, and, uh, you know, technology really is amazing. Mm -hmm. Last Saturday, uh, live here in Little Rock, Arkansas, we put on a one-day event um, and had lots of components to it, uh, a number of speakers. We had two original dramas that were written and performed at the event, uh, you know, uniquely designed for the blended families who would be attending that live, um, and as well as a panel discussion. And uh, there were periods of, of worship as well as we tried to make the spiritual connections that people need in their lives. 
But it was sent out over the Internet to anybody who wanted to sign up. It's a free event. It's mm-hmm. free for churches or small groups to host. And at the end of the day, we had um, people from all 50 states in the U.S. and 24 foreign countries wow. par- participating in the event, people from Malaysia to South Africa uh, to um, you know, New Zealand to, I mean, just, it just blew my mind how we could all kind of be tied in. And then through social media, people were able to ask questions mm-hmm. and uh, send pictures and say, here's our group, you know, and, and, you know, it was just really neat for everybody to interact and, and be connected on that day. Mm-hmm. Well, and our show today is pre recorded, So when this is airing, it would have been a couple weeks ago that you held the event. So I'll have to scroll back through uh, the timeline on Facebook and Twitter and look for those pictures and comments and questions. But you're so correct. The, um, uh, the technology we have today, there's, there's really no reason why anyone who wants to and has an ear to hear um, can, can get some good information and, and um, experience God and all his fullness um, through technology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. Um, we really can reach out and, and tap into uh, many other things. As a matter of fact, I just got off the phone before talking with you at this point, point in time with another group that's going to do a parent live stream, uh, you know, next February. So uh, there's going to be more and more opportunities for people to find the information that they really need. And, and um, you know, people like you make time for us to talk to and talk about blended families and, you know, unfortunately, until just in the recent past, we didn't do that much. We just didn't bring it up. We didn't mm-hmm. talk about it in, in public spheres and private spheres and religious circles. Um, but that's changing, and it's partly because we're, people are recognizing. Family educators, for example, are recognizing that, um, you know, blended families are just like all families. They have ups and they have downs. They have joys and tremendous benefits and gains, and they share love together, but they also have some challenges. Mm-hmm. And so we want to try to help with those. Yeah. Well, can you give us maybe a Reader's Digest version of a couple of your favorite uh, speakers? And I'm sure they were all wonderful. Um, but could you could you give us a um, kind of the highlights of, so, of some of your favorites uh, where and what the takeaways were for the blended families yeah. who participated? Well, I'll try to keep this short. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I could go on all day. Yeah. You know, one of the neat neat things for me was I, I was one of the speakers, but mm-hmm. I also got to sit in the audience and and sit at the feet of uh, the, some of these people that we brought in, and I learned so much myself. The first couple we had speak was Don Peslis and his wife Sandy Patty. Now, some people know the name Sandy Patty because she's a gospel music recording artist, and uh, many people are familiar with her work and. And uh, she's still touring. Actually, this year is her last year to tour. She made that announcement. Um, And they're a blended family couple. And, you know, they got started off on the wrong foot. The reason we brought this couple in is because we wanted them to tell the story of God's redemptive work in their lives. And their story started because of an affair. Mm. They both were previously married, and uh, they made very poor decisions that they, they talked about, and it caused pain to their children, and it caused disruption in their lives, and it brought heartache and, uh, you know, the pain of divorce. And then they tried to say, well, okay, we're, we're a family now. we got to move forward with this, right? Um, they allowed their friends, their trusted advisors, and their church 
to speak into their life over a period of time. There was a period of repentance and redemption, and uh, they essentially kind of came back to the Lord with their lives and shared how all of that then bonded their family together over time. And between the two of them, they ended up with seven kids and a blended family. And even though it started off rough and there were lots of hard feelings going on between adults and children and ex-spouses, here they are 25 years later, and their kids are grown, and the kids all love one another as siblings, and uh, the family is an integrated whole. And they talked about how they had to go through the pains and the hiccups and the heartaches and making apologies and restoring, doing all the hard work to, to help their family move forward as a family unit, and it's all paid off. Not that they're perfect in any sense, and they were quick to, to share that, but but just sharing how, you know, sometimes when, when you make decisions that bring negative consequences, some blended family, not all, I want to make that very clear, not all blended families are there because somebody made a bad choice, but mm-hmm. sometimes they are. And and there's pain and heartache and guilt and forgiveness that needs to be offered. And they were just kind of living examples of we did the hard work and it paid off and we're just so grateful God's not giving up on us. And that's the other thing we want people to know is God's not giving up on you. Let me tell you, a lot of people in the church did give up on Don and Sandy. Mm. A lot of people today, Sandy, of course, still tours and sings gospel music, and her husband Don is a worship pastor for a church in Oklahoma City. You know, They're very engaged in ministry and activity. But a lot of people wrote them off and didn't want them anymore. Well, that's not God. Mm. That, I think that's so important for your listeners here. You may have some guilt over something in your past you cannot change, but God didn't write you off. As a matter of fact, the history of God and his people is that he (laughs) – stop and think about it. The history of God and his people is dysfunctional families whom he works with anyway in spite of who they are, and he still loves and forgives and brings them along in in part of the – in the narrative of what he's doing in the world. And so – you know, I, I just that that message hit home in a very real way mm-hmm. uh, with with Don and Sandy. That was just our first speaker of the day. All right, it's <laughs> a great um, way to kick kick little, it off. Yeah, I'll be a little more brief with, with some of the others. Uh, the the next couple that spoke, uh, Jeff and Lakita Wright from Chicago, uh, um, they talked about their blended family. He's a little bit older than her. She had never been kissed before they kissed at their wedding. And uh, he had been married and divorced and brought older children, and together they have one child together. And they talked about the importance of working on your marriage, that how can you how can you have a strong step family when the marriage is the hub? It's the thing that brings everybody together in the first place. Now notice that children didn't always ask for the blended family. Sometimes kids are asking for it. But oftentimes they're not. It's it's forced on them. But the couple came together out of love and choice. And you've got to keep that couple relationship strong in the midst of what's going on in your home. Even though there may be turbulence and the oxygen masks are dropping from the ceiling and everybody's trying to figure out how to breathe, you've got to stay tight as a couple. And that was their emphasis was work on it, you know, date, find time together. Uh, work on issues. Don't let those things come between you, because if your marriage isn't strong, there's no way you can manage children and parenting and ex-spouses and, you know, just the 
the grief and loss issues that come along with with life, and uh, and so that was a that was a great message from them. Yeah, so important because that's the whole cause of a blended family, right? Is the couple who comes together, and we can get so mm-hmm. sidetracked and distracted by the challenges of of the blending of the of the families and the children that uh, we lose sight of of that marriage relationship. Dr. Pegg, you just nailed it. I, I mean, I think you said very succinctly, people ask me, why is the divorce rate higher for couples in blended families than it is for couples in first marriages? And you just nailed it. It's, they get sideswiped by all of the activity, the stress, the decisions, the, the, the trying to bond relationships, figure out how to help kids, kids who, who want to have a close relationship with a stepdad and kids who don't want to have a relationship with a stepparent. And, and, you know, how do you navigate that and still call yourself a family? You know, for some folks, it's so disjointed that they get discouraged and then they look at each other as husband and wife and go, what right do we have to be married and be happy? And, you know, how can I even look at you when your kids won't look at me? You know, and so that somehow just creates a rift on the couple's relationship. That's the kind of thing it, 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 my job <laughs> is to help people understand that complexity in their world, the dynamics going on in their home, what they can do about it, all for the purpose of helping them move forward, not only as a couple, but as a family unit. Once that family identity is developed and they've kind of navigated some of those hard things, then they're a family and everybody loves it. And it's a blessing to everybody. And that's why we call the event Blended and Blessed, because we really believe uh, that there can be blessings. Yeah. Well, listeners, you're you're hearing um, the wisdom of Ron Deal, and he's president of SmartStepFamilies.com and director of Family Life Blended. And we're talking all things step families or blended families. And uh, let's let's hear a summary of uh, maybe one other um, of the highlighted speakers uh, at the blended and, recent blended and blessed event. Some good friends of mine, Gil and Brenda Stewart, from uh, they have a ministry called Restored and Remarried dot com. They talked about parenting and how we should try to be compassionate in our parenting. And, and there's a balance there, right? On the one on one hand, we still have to be parents. We have to set limits and consequences and give guidelines and build character in our children. And on the other hand, there's also this notion that be compassionate for what they've been through, for the pain that they have, for the loss that they carry, mm. and make sure that you're trying to help attend to those losses to those griefs and uh, help move the children along emotionally. They did a demonstration that really got a lot of reaction from our audience. Uh, Brenda stood up on stage and she had a basket. She was just carrying this uh, pretty little basket, almost like a picnic basket. And uh, Gil, just out of nowhere, started making derogatory comments. Of course, it was all an act, (laughs) but it made derogatory comments about her children, right? And just said some negative things. And then he picked up this big rock, you know, as big as his hand, and tossed it into her basket. Well, there was a glass plate in the bottom mm. of the basket, and it made this massive sound. And it caught everybody off guard. And then he did it again. Then he did it again. And then they stopped and they said, you know, that's what we're doing. We're throwing rocks into our kids' emotional basket. Mm. They're already carrying some loss because there's a parent not here in the home for whatever reason. There's been a lot of changes in their world that they didn't get to control. They're already walking in with that loss. And then when you heap negativity about 
the parent in the other home about their, you know, biological parent or step parent, whatever that is, you, you're just adding boulders to their emotional bucket. And when they process that with the audience, it's, everybody was taken back. In fact, I've heard from two or three different people who right in the middle of that presentation picked up their phone, texted their children and apologized because mm. they were overwhelmed by the sense of, oh, I did that. You know, I, when I made those sarcastic remarks about their mother or I, 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 you know, talked out loud about my frustrations about co-parenting and how the other household wouldn't cooperate. I didn't realize it, but I realize now that was ending up in my kid's bucket. I was hurting my children. I thought I was saying something negative about my ex. That's a connecting point that I really think people need to get. Um, When your child hears you say something negative about the other parent, they internalize that. It is also about them Mm -hmm. because that's my mom. And so I'm a part of her and she's a part of me. And actually we have kind of similar personalities. And so when you say, that you're really sick and tired of dealing with my mom. I, I know you're not married anymore, but that's my mom, right? This child receives it, absorbs it. And the other thing that happens, Dr. Pegg, is that you implicitly ask a child to choose who they prefer to, who they agree with, right? You're asking them to make a choice. Do you agree with me about your mom or do you agree with your mom about me? That puts a child in the middle of a tug of war they cannot win. It just adds more, uh, uh, it drains them, it, it, it destroys their sense of safety in their home. They, they can't trust their parents now. They just want to avoid being caught in the middle. It does all kinds of negative things to a child. Parents got to get that. We've got to get that. And we just need to stop exposing them to that sort of negativity. So that, that basket. Wow demonstration was pretty powerful. Yeah, and even just your summary of it, and, um, you know, I can visualize what you described, um, that metaphor, and um, if our listeners who are in blended families get nothing else, I think that would be worth our time today, is that lesson about um, how you're really, um, what you say about the other parent really the child has to cope with that. And, and depending on their age and maturity, it's probably not that easy for them. Um, let's, let's shift gears a little bit and talk about um, something that many people are facing right now. Mother's Day is upon us. Mm-hmm. Father's Day is just around the corner. And in, in the context of the scenario you just described uh, that uh, was discussed at the, at the uh, Blended and Blessed Conference, um, it can be a really confusing time for blended families. You've got a biological mother, you've got step stepmother, you've got biological father, stepfather, uh, extended family members who are, are perhaps father figures. Um, talk about uh, some of those challenges and, and some guidance you can offer to listeners in that situation for Mother's Day and Father's Day. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, before I do, it just occurred to me I should tell people, you missed Blended and Blessed, perhaps, but guess what? We record this. <gasps> we have an all-access all digital pass, and uh, for $25, <laughs> you have access uh, for up to a year, all the content. And we have churches that are turning it into a small group curriculum. You can use it, stream it, watch it on your mobile phone, however you choose. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, just go to familylife.com slash blended to learn more about that. Thanks for mentioning that. 
I just yeah. I, I had to miss it, and I kept asking, "Is it being recorded?" And and everyone either said they didn't know or no. So I'm really glad to yeah. learn for only twenty five dollars. Familylife.com slash blended. Thank you. Hmm. So Mother's Day. Let's just step into that for a second. You know, I've heard from stepmoms for many, many years. It's the worst day of the year for them. Now. There's always exceptions to this, so you know I want to be balanced in our conversation. There are many stepmoms that love their world, their life. They are accepted, embraced in their home, and cherished by their children and stepchildren. And for them, we are overjoyed and happy. Uh, but for many stepmoms, especially those who are still trying to find their footing, it's a tough day. And what it comes down to is this. You are, but you aren't, right? You are the mom, but you're not the mom. You are in the sense that you have to maintain all the responsibilities of the home, uh, raise the children, be involved in their lives. You're paying for stuff. You're teaching them to clean up their messes. You're helping them learn laundry. And, you know, daily life is upon you in every way. And yet, when it comes time to be honored in a place of, of being a motherhood, there's another mom who's honored and you're not. Uh, even children whose biological mother has died, you know, you never replace that person. Uh, you can be very near and dear to their heart, and they can love you dearly, but there's only one mom in life. And so you are the mom, but you're not the mom. So you go to church, and maybe your church honors, you know, mothers on Mother's Day and has you stand, or they give you a rose, or, you know, just, you know, something, you know, stand, we'll applaud, whatever that is. Do you stand up? Do you not stand up? Are, are you offending the children if you stand up? Are they going to look at you like, wait a minute, no, you're not my mom. You know, you don't have the right to stand. So it, you are, but you aren't. It's a very ambiguous place to be. And so when you get caught in that, you, you'd just rather not go to church. You'd rather not, you know, let's downplay this day. And, uh, you know, what do I do? You know, I, I think that anxiety is, is tough. I think dads feel that on Father's Day, stepdads, in, in a way. I don't think they feel it as deeply or profoundly because many men aren't necessarily, they're not defined by that role as a, as a stepdad. Um, but still it can be awkward, and it's, you're still trying to figure out, am I or are I not? Um, one of the things I would say to the spouse, you know, let's say uh, for a stepmom, Gosh, husbands, you know, <laughs> hug your wife on Mother's Day. Might go out of your way to honor her in front of your children, even if they don't, right? Um, you do something special for her. You make sure she knows that you appreciate and value how much she does for your kids and how little maybe she gets in return in terms of appreciation or gratitude. That is so important because, you know, she may not expect it. In fact, uh, I have a good friend, Laura Pestabridge. We wrote a book together called The Smart Stepmom. And in that book, Laura says uh, her recommendation to stepmoms is do, don't expect anything from your stepchildren on Mother's Day. If you get something, that's gravy, but don't expect it because you'll just probably be disappointed. But you can expect something from your husband. And I agree with her. The husband should be the one who says, I value what you're doing. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's odd to hear, you know, I'd love your reaction to what mm -hmm. I just said, because for a lot of, a lot of women who aren't stepmoms, they just can't imagine being confused on Mother's mm -hmm. Day, but that's exactly what stepmoms tell me. Yeah. 
Well, I think uh, you're offering some keen insights into the experience on Mother's Day. Uh, I imagine it probably mitigates uh, the confusion if a stepmom has her own biological children because she's being Mm -hmm. honored on Mother's Day in that role. Uh, And I think what you're saying about fathers and husbands uh, should be the ones who really go out of their way because um, we can't necessarily expect the children to, depending on um, how they're identifying and relating to their stepmom. Um, but but in in general, in, a, in a, a biological family that's been together from the start, you expect the father to train his children how to relate to their mom yeah. and how to honor yeah. their mom. Uh, well, I'm talking with Ron Deal. He's offering some wonderful wisdom. We got a a um, a recap of the Blended and Blessed conference that was held recently. And when we come back, we'll find out uh, if there are any step families in the Bible, Ron. (laughs) Uh, I'm talking with Ron Deal, president of StepFamilies.com, director of Family Life Blended. I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, and this is Living Well with Dr. Peg. And we're talking all things step families. Don't go away. We'll be back in just a moment. This is Denver's all-new 94.7 FM, The Word. One needs to look no further than today's headlines to understand the threats facing American schools. They remain soft targets for violent threats, and yet our schools go largely underprepared. Our children deserve the highest level of education in the safest learning environment possible. The SSI Guardian QAL, or Quick Action Lockdown, is the fastest and safest way to lock down a classroom. This revolutionary device provides schools with maximum locking protection while meeting all safety, fire, and building codes. Designed by the leading lock experts in the world, the QAL is the only lock that meets Department of Homeland Security primer recommendations. SSI Guardian QAL now makes classroom lockdowns fast and safe with the red button. As a parent, you have every right to demand that your child is afforded the best classroom protection. Take action today by calling SSI Guardian at 877-878-5800 or go to guardianprotect.com. That's guardianprotect.com. With SRN News, I'm Ron DeRockstra. The head of the FBI's Richmond, Virginia office is interviewing for FBI director. Special agent in charge Adam Lee arrived at the Justice Department today. One of at least five people expected to interview for the post with Attorney General Jeff Sessions and his deputy Rod Rosenstein. President Trump is considering at least a dozen people to succeed ousted Director James Comey, whom Mr. Trump fired on Tuesday. The president says he looked out across Liberty University's class of 2017 and proclaimed there may very well be a president or two among the group. He says he sees them as the next generation of American leaders. It was Mr. Trump's first commencement address since taking office in January. Britain's Home Secretary says about one in five National Health Service trusts have been hit by the international ransomware attack and that all but six are now back to normal. Amber Rudd said 48 out of the 248 NHS organizations were affected. This is SRN News. 94.7 FM, the word. If you are a Colorado veteran and you are not in a VA mortgage, you've probably been lied to. If you're a veteran and not in a VA mortgage, 99% guaranteed you are paying too high a rate, throwing away thousands of dollars a year to a bank that will never tell you they're taking you for a ride. As a vet, you're entitled to use a VA loan over and over again. You should be paying zero in mortgage insurance, and you can take out 100% of the value of your home for paying off credit cards. Your bank is never going to tell you how much you're throwing away, but I will. I'm Brian Murphy, owner of Front 
Front Range Mortgage, a local Colorado-only mortgage team that has helped hundreds of veterans to drop their mortgage insurance, save thousands, lowering their payments, and pay off high-interest credit cards. Call me and my local team for a painless five-minute conversation to see how much we can save you. Our number, 303-500-1900. That's 303-500-1900, or visit FrontRangeMortgage.com. And I'm last, 378844, regulated by the Division of Real Estate. After the loss of a loved one, your focus is on your family and grieving the loss, not managing their estate. Hi, I'm Tony Sterniolo, a Christian attorney. At the offices of Tony Sterniolo, we can support and counsel you through the entire probate process. Probate does not need to be lengthy, expensive, or complicated. I will help heirs and beneficiaries clear title to assets as easily as possible. After the funeral, let us handle the legal steps so you can focus on your family. Call me, Tony Sterniolo, at 831-4400. That's 303-831-4400. Get to JCPenney's biggest sale of the season. Now through Sunday, get up to 50% off throughout the store. Keep mom in style with great gifts like select fashion tops for her, just $14.99. Cozy pajama sets for just $19.99. And give her something that sparkles with an extra 15% off all mom fine jewelry. Or get $10 off when you spend $25 or more worth your coupon on select items. Hurry, sale ends Sunday. That's getting your pennies worth. JCPenney. Coupon valid 510 to 514 in store and at jcp.com. Some exclusions and restrictions apply. See store or jcp.com for details. Season refers to 510 to 514. To learn more about living well with Dr. Peg, visit drpegradio.com. And now, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Welcome back, everyone. Have you gotten your copy of my book, Do Something Different for Change? It's a self-help book detailing effective psychological strategies based on biblical principles to help you to identify and overcome the common barriers to change and to experience lasting change and transformation in your life. Go to drpegradio.com to buy your copy and reserve your spot in a Do Something Different for a Change personal transformation retreat. My guest today is Ron Deal, Director of Family Life Blended and President of SmartStepFamilies.com and author of, among many books, The Smart Step Family. And Ron, how can listeners get in touch with you? Well, uh, we'd love for them to come visit us, familylife.com slash blended. Boy, we've got <laughs> dozens and dozens yeah. of free articles and videos, things to watch, resources you can purchase if you want, uh, tie in to conference events and churches that are offering ministries around the country. We have a free map uh, where wow. people can find what's going on in their local area and post their events as well. And uh, we do ministry training through a summit once a year, a two-day event on called the Summit on Step Family Ministry that helps churches be prepared to minister to blended families. And as we've been talking, we just did for the first time a one-day event called Blended and Blessed. That's actually for blended families themselves. And uh, by the way, we did decide we will do this again okay, in the great, future. Great. <laughs> so. And people can purchase the recording of the entire Blended and Blessed live stream for only $25. And I have a link back to Family Life Blended on my website, drpegradio.com. So, Ron, we're talking about Mother's Day and Father's Day is just around the corner, uh, and you're you're giving some great advice. Um, keep your expectations low on Mother's Day, mm-hmm. but we should mm-hmm. expect from husbands uh, to be acknowledged for the work that stepmothers are doing in that motherly role. And I think that's yeah. great and advice. Then, and then I got two other quick thoughts for people. Um, the first one is, 
you know, engage the children and give them choices. So I can see a biological dad going to his kids, and uh, they have a mom, let's say, lives in another home. They're, you know, a divorced couple. And and he says something like, hey, I know you want to get your mom a car. Do you want to, you know, do a funny story? Do you want to have a FaceTime with her on Mother's Day? You know, how do we honor your mom? And dad is asking the kids how he can help them honor their mom. That's really important, mm-hmm. right? And then And then he says, and, you know, I want to talk to you about how you might show some respect and appreciation to your stepmom on Mother's Day. I know it's not the same, and uh, you may want to do something similar to what you do for your mom. You may, may want to do something very different. What he's doing is he's encouraging gratitude. Notice he's not demanding love. He's not berating them for having a relationship with their biological mother. In fact, he's encouraging that. So that, that's very important, he's encouraging his really, their relationship with their mother so that he can also say, show appreciation to your stepmom. Those two things are tied together in a, in a child's heart. Mm-hmm. And so it's very wise for him to encourage his children to move in those directions. But he gives them choices about what they feel comfortable with doing for their stepmom. Yeah. And then he'd you know, be okay with that. That's excellent advice in the comment I made before the break. That's the role of a father, right, is to um, socialize his children, train them up mm-hmm. in the way they should go. And I love how you put it. How do you show appreciation and respect? It's not mm-hmm. commanding them to mm-hmm. feel a certain way towards their stepmother, but to show appreciation and respect and offer them choices of how they can do that. I think that's great. Last suggestion. For the stepmom on Mother's Day or the stepdad on Father's Day, lean in towards your stepchildren around the loss that they feel of the other parent. So I'm imagining a a stepdad who's driving his kids to school a few days before Father's Day, and he says, "Um, hey, Father's Day's coming up. I bet you're missing your dad. You're going to be with us that weekend instead of being with him. If I were you, I'd be pretty bummed about that. Now, what he's doing is he's entering their grief, and he's giving permission to it. And he's most importantly, what he's saying to those children is, I am a safe place for your grief. You don't have to hide the fact that you love your dad and you miss him. You don't have to hide that from me. I understand it. I, uh, I applaud your relationship with your dad. I'm not in competing with your dad. Those messages are deeply important to a child. What that does is it helps the child talk about their grief and sadness. And that's helping them on that level. But then you're also showing yourself to be a safe person to them. You're, you know, you're not trying to move in and push somebody out. That makes you safe. I think that is endearing to a stepchild. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't mean there's going to be a magic moment where the, you know, the, the sky's part, God, heaven comes down, and all is well. But what it's a step toward deepening your trust relationship with the child and. So just think of it as an opportunity. Absolutely. And I think it, it also helps the child even label how they're feeling. Uh, they mm-hmm. they may not even be aware of feeling it as a loss. They just know they feel bad and maybe don't quite have the words and the emotional vocabulary to even express it. And so I think that's a really valuable uh, gift that the step, step parent can give the child. And And again, we talked about... Um, you don't have to choose. It's letting them know, hey, it's it's okay for you to share this with me. I don't feel threatened by your 
feelings towards your biological yeah. parent. I think that's great. Right. Well, let's talk about um, all of the families in the Bible. You mentioned um, a moment ago about uh, the dysfunctional families in the Bible and God's redemptive work in all of our lives, whether we're in a step family or not. Uh, but are there step families in the Bible, Ron? Yeah, you know, there's a bunch. And in fact, right from the beginning of the family of promise in Genesis, you know, there's a whole bunch of step families. Um, and, you know, there's an article that uh, I wrote on the genealogy of Jesus talking about his descendants and the types of families that they had. And when you get down to it, about 20% of the families of Jesus, the genealogy of Jesus in, in Matthew, documents people who were in blended families. And there's so many of them that we don't know anything about. You know, all we have is a name, you know, Perez, the father of Hezron, the father of Ram, and so on, so on. That's all we know about those people. So we don't know what their family types were. But given the um, multiple marriages in a situation that took place in the Old Testament, my guess is it's much higher than 20%. Um, the bottom line is it's very common. You know, one people are familiar with is Abraham and Sarah. Mm-hmm. And then Sarah has this bright idea to <laughs> give her maidservant Hagar to her husband. I know that's weird to even think about that, right? But that was a common practice in the ancient world. And so Abraham has a child through her that Sarah gets the name of Ishmael, right? But there's jealousy and rivalry going on between the women, and mm-hmm. Abraham's the biological dad, and he gets caught in the middle. And we have a, a couple of different stories in Genesis that talk about that, how wound up that gets. And you, you, you can just tell that that's, you know, it was a dysfunctional situation. Mm-hmm. Well, a couple generations later um, is, is Jacob. Uh, he's the grandson of Abraham. And he has four wives, and he has a bunch of kids by those different wives, but only one of those wives was his chosen wife, Rachel. She was the favored wife, and when she finally gets pregnant and has a boy, his name is Joseph, he's the favored son. And we all know how that story ends, if you've ever been to Sunday school, right? All the brothers get angry at him and are jealous, and there's just... They finally sell him into slavery and then go tell dad that he's dead. I mean, a lot of deception and hurt and mm. pain and dysfunction going on in those situations. They were far from perfect families. And yet, this they are called the family of promise. Jesus comes from these people. God uses them, works in them, you know, you know, works in spite of what's going on on the surface. He's working below the surface for his purposes. And uh, when I read stories like that, I get a lot of you know, hope for my family, yeah. right, mm-hmm. for, for what goes on in my world. And I think, golly, you know, we got some things we're messed up about, but it's not that bad. <laughs> um, I, you know, I think people need to be reminded of this. Blended families are not new. Mm. Uh, it's good. not a new phenomenon. Uh, sometimes people associate it with divorce. Well, the divorce rates skyrocketed in the 60s and 70s, and this is a recent phenomenon. No, no, it's not. They were blended families of a different size and shape and color, if you will, in the Old Testament. The fact that Jesus had a stepfather in Joseph, right? That's kind yeah. of bizarre <laughs> to think about, yeah. right? Um, but clearly he wasn't his dad. He almost walked away. 
And, you know, he didn't feel any obligation mm-hmm. to Jesus in the beginning. And there was this little encounter when Jesus is 12 and he gets lost in the temple. Of course, Jesus wasn't lost. He knew exactly where he was, but his parents didn't know where he was. And when they find him, what does he say? What does he say? Didn't you know I'd have to be about my Hmm. father's (laughs) business, right? He's going, hey, Joseph, you're not my dad. Hmm. Isn't that fascinating, right? Now, Jesus didn't say that with a harsh attitude a disrespectful tone. I think he probably said it in a very calm and respectful manner. But clearly, Joseph was reminded, you're not my dad in that moment. Uh, You know, stop and think about that for a minute. This is not (laughs) new. Mm -hmm. Um, People who judge blended families just because of their family typology haven't done their history. And just forget that, yes, God has a design for the home, and there are certain types of relationships that work better than others. It's true. But that doesn't mean you become second class. That doesn't mean you become unacceptable to God or unusable or, you know, you're outside of his will. No, no, no. That's never been the case. Never has been the case. Never will be the case. Wow. So encouraging, Ron. Um, gosh, I never thought about <laughs> a mind blown. I'm sure um, I'm not the only one listening to what you're sharing. And we can read it in the word for ourselves. And though not all families um, were in the Bible were traditional husband and wife who stayed married, married, raised their own biological children together and live happily ever after, uh, we see how God redeems that family structure. And so we can have hope and um, can even consider our own blended families a family of promise, as you stated, mm-hmm. Abraham's family was. I'm listening with, uh, speaking with, uh, listening to, I am intently listening to Ron Deal, uh, Director of Family Life Blended and um, President of SmartStepFamilies.com. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, Ron Deal can tell us what when it feels like the whole family is dating mom or dad's new love interest. (laughs) What kind of advice can we give to singles who desire to be married and they already have children? This is Living Well with Dr. Peg. Stay with us. This is Denver's all new 94.7 FM, The Word. Schools can no longer afford not to invest in a professional evidence-based advanced safety education training program. It's the single most important decision and investment a school administrator will ever make in their professional career. When all else fails, training and preparation are the only things that will increase your chances of survival in a violent incident such as an active shooter or active terrorism. SSI Guardian has set the new standard in advanced safety education by providing evidence-based advanced training programs tailored to your needs. While there are many basic training programs largely based on opinion and emotion, SSI Guardian is the only advanced training program of its type with an accredited continuing education unit or CEU issued by an accredited university. SSI Guardian has set the new standard in advanced safety education by providing evidence-based advanced training and solutions to learning institutions, faith-based and professional organizations. To learn more, call SSI Guardian today at 877-878-5800 or visit guardianprotect.com. To learn more about living well with Dr. Peg, visit drpegradio.com. And now, Dr. Peggy Mitchell Clark. Welcome back. I'm your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell Clark. And if you need support with your change and transformation goals, check out my book, Do Something Different for a Change, and my June 17th retreat in Denver. 
Go to drpegradio.com for more information. Again, my, my guest is Ron Deal. I'm so enjoying our conversation about blended families and step families. And we were talking about all of the step families in the Bible and, and um, of course, dysfunctional families. But that gives us all hope that we can be dysfunctional and we can be a blended family and still uh, be a family of promise. And, Ron, I was sharing with you during the break how, you know, we all read that story about Joseph and it never clicked for me that those were probably um, stepbrothers and um, half-brothers, and, and that's, that was kind of epitomizing the conflict therein. They are. They are half-brothers, and if you read the story, you can see that the coat that he gets that kind of is the straw that breaks the camel's back, so to speak, mm. is just the tip of the iceberg of the story. The backstory is Jacob has fallen in love with Rachel. He wants to marry her. He ends up spending... 14 years of his life, earning the right to marry her, by the way, Mm -hmm. trying to earn the bride price for her hand in marriage. But in the meantime, Rachel's not able to have any children. So Leah becomes a second wife, and she has a child. She's clearly not chosen and not wanted. How do we know this? Because when she gives birth to her first child, she gives him a name, Reuben, Mm -hmm. which I kind of think is a manly name. You know, Reuben, it sounds really strong and awesome. You know, what does it mean? It means misery. She named her child Misery, and she makes the statement, because the Lord has seen my misery, surely my husband will love me now. Oh, my goodness. I mean, if that's not the epitome of sadness, I don't know what is. But wait, the story's not over. She has a second son. She names him Simeon, which means one who hears, because she says, the Lord has heard that I am not loved. And then she has a third son. His name is Levi, which means attached. And she wonders, now at last my husband will be attached to me? Mm. See, clearly she's unwanted and her children are unwanted. Well, Rachel takes a maidservant, just like her grandma Sarah did, and gives a maidservant to her husband. That's wife number three, if you keep in track. And her name's Bilhah. She has a son. Rachel gives the son a name, Dan, which means vindication. God has vindicated me against my sister. Mm-hmm. See, it's a competition of children and winning the affections of their husband, Jacob. It, it, and this goes on and on and on, child after child after child. There's ultimately 10 boys that are born to these three other women until finally Rachel, the favored wife, the one he really wanted in the first place, finally has a child, and that's Joseph. By the time he is born, there is a rivalry and a bitterness between all of these half-siblings and step-parents, you know, the step-moms. <laughs> it's weird. It's in that environment and climate that Joseph grows up as the favored kid. So when he's 17 and comes home with the coat, that's it. They're done. <laughs> His brothers have grown, they've been sick of this for years. This is the straw that breaks the camel's back. I share all that just to say sometimes people just lose hope for their home and their family, and they say, look at who we are, look at where we've been. And, and I say, wow, I, I, I get it. You know, There's a lot of pain in that. And, yeah, you want to try to recover and heal, and some things may never be healed. But just remember, God is with you. He's working through this. He's wrapping your story into his narrative. At the end of the day, because of all the things that happened to Joseph, God's people are saved. Mm. And it's, it's amazing how God weaves together something good out of the bad. Right. Um, it doesn't make the bad okay. It's still hard. But God is there. Amen. I just think people need to be reminded of that. Amen. And and we see Joseph um, operating in forgiveness and compassion and yes. reconciliation. 
and and um, it ends well, <laughs> despite all yes. of the pain and, and disconnection and dysfunction. So again, there's hope. There's hope. And we can read these stories and not to feel better about our own situations because uh, God's not a respecter of persons. We can look at them and say, boy, they sure were dysfunctional, <laughs> but so are we. And so we can gain some encouragement and that God doesn't abandon them, that God works things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And that includes blended families. Right. And, you know, if anything, we should all be admonished to, you know, God's wisdom is best for homes and families. Mm-hmm. And the more we can live that, yeah. then the less complicated our lives are, the, the more whole the family is. Um, and so, you know, it's a, it is a reminder that God's trying to protect us right. from some pain. It, when we listen to him, obedience is helpful. Amen. And and when we're when we don't and when we still try to do it our own way or through no fault of our own, we become the victim of a broken home. Uh, we know that that God's uh, redeeming power is, is still available. Yeah, right. Amen. Well, let's talk about, Ron, um, you know, the high divorce rate, um, people who've never been married to begin with, um, um, people who already have children and are single, however they ended up that way, maybe through uh, the death of a spouse. More and more singles with children are dating and desire to be married. And so if we can have information in advance and really work on ourselves in advance, have our eyes wide open in advance before selecting a marriage partner, we can avoid some of the heartache that comes from blending Mm -hmm. families. What kind of advice can you offer um, singles who desire to be married? You wrote a book called Dating and the Single Parent. I did. And uh, in that book, I really tried to walk uh, a single parent through you know, maybe you're not even dating yet, but you're just trying to figure out if that's the direction you want to go to, you now you are dating, now you're getting serious, how do you make decisions about marriage, all the way to preparing for a wedding and getting your family ready to become a, a blended family. Um, it, it, so in that book, Dating and the Single Parent, you know, one of the points that I want to make just in general as we start this conversation is couples really need to realize that you're not just forming a coupleness relationship, right? A husband-wife relationship. You're forming a family, and those are two different things. Now, I know what most people when they hear that on the service, Doctor Peg, they go, "Okay, Ron, that was, you know, not profound at all. <laughs> that was so simple. Of course, they're not. But but they need to hear it and absorb it. You've fallen in love with a person. You have a vision a lot of a life together. You now feel like you want to." you know, merge, if you will, your life, your world, your children, your, your finances, your history, your past, and your future together. Um, and that's what dating gives you. It culminates a process of falling in love and getting married. At, at the wedding, that's what happens. But everybody else who comes along with that decision has to now figure out how to be a family. And those are two different things. It is much easier to be a couple than it is to be a family. <laughs> Yeah, and and we have challenges even in that couple relationship uh, before children are even involved. How much more is that amplified when you're merging families with, where you already have children? And so being mindful of that. If there's a common narrative that I hear from married step-family couples, it's, we got along great <laughs> during the dating process. We never saw this coming. We got blindsided within, you know, six months or two years of the wedding what is going on? 
did we miss it? And I say, well, I'm not sure you could see it, but here's what the thing that I would say to you is it wasn't there. I mean, kids oftentimes are, you know, kind of cooperative about mom and this guy dating and, you know, sometimes they're excited and they like him and he took them out for ice cream. And, you know, so there's some measure of connection there and, and positivity, but it's only when you move into a home together and start sharing space and figuring out rules and how we're going to get along. And, oh, your parenting is different than mine. I didn't realize how far apart we really are. And how are we going to do this together? And the kids are going, wait, we've never done it that way before. What happened to our tradition at birthdays? All of that hits home, right? And so that's where it gets hard. That's being a family. And so that challenge is a natural adjustment mm-hmm. for the family as a unit. Don't be discouraged. I try to help people understand. Don't be too discouraged by all of that. Um, but yeah, you, it blindsides a lot of people. Yeah. Again, another, another reason the divorce rate is so high. The better you understand it, the smarter you get about what's happening and what you can do about it, mm-hmm. the easier the adjustment becomes. Be, being prepared in advance. And just as there's a honeymoon period in a marriage, I imagine there's a honeymoon period in the blending yeah. of the family as well. And so over time, you know, everyone's true colors <laughs> really come out when they're tired and impatient and, you know, yeah. cleaning up messes. That's- and yeah. And let me say this. I I like the way you use the term honeymoon there. Let me redefine it just a little bit. Mm -hmm. The real family moon, okay, (laughs) the family moon comes after five or six or seven years Mm -hmm. for most blended families. It is a long-term process. I like to say it this way, that there is a honeymoon for remarried couples. It just comes at the end of the journey and not at the beginning. Um, uh, You know, your couple honeymoon is that right after the wedding, but the family celebration of we've become a family often takes years to get to that. Mm-hmm. And so it's being persistent and dedicated to the process. By the way, that's what I talked about at Belinda and Bless last Saturday mm-hmm. or in the recent past is um, being dedicated and persistent to the to the process of becoming a family and just not quitting. Sometimes you get discouraged, Yeah, but you just got to keep going. By the way, back to your question about dating couples. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have a, we have a minute left, Ron. So maybe okay. to wrap and give us some parting wisdom for those dating couples. Yeah. So I would just say this, go slow. Yeah. You know, read, study, learn, listen to your children, what's going on with them. Even if they're excited, that doesn't mean they also won't also feel uh, you know, confused about what's happening, especially after the wedding when things get really real. But it's okay to go slow and take your time on the front end. A quick rush through dating is often a disaster. <laughs> um, don't don't do that to yourself or the kids. Good advice. Thank you, Ron Deal, so much, president of uh, Family Life Blended and um, SmartStepFamilies.com. I'll have a link to reach Ron and learn more about all of his resources on my website. DrPegRadio.com. Thanks so much, Ron. Yeah, it's always good to be with you. Thank you. Thanks. We'll have to have you on again really soon. Uh, My guest has been Ron Deal, and I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, reminding you to live well.
Thank you for listening to today's episode of Living Well with Dr. Peg, brought to you every week by SSI Guardian. To listen to previous episodes, learn more about Dr. Peg's mental health and safety workshops, or to register for an upcoming VIP personal transformation retreat, visit drpegradio.com. You can also purchase Dr. Peg's books, Do Something Different for a Change, and Doggy Tales, Lessons on Life, Love, and Loss I Learned from My Dog, online at drpegradio.com. And remember to join us every Saturday at 1 p.m. on 94.7 The Word FM for Living Well with Dr. Peg. Living well.